Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's good to see y'all. Um, guys, it's the last Sunday of the year, so... It's the last day of the year, not just the last Sunday of the year, it's the last day of the year. And I will, I will make you a promise. I'll make you a promise. This might not be the best sermon you ever heard. <laughs> might not be the worst sermon you ever heard. But it for sure is the last sermon of 2023 that you will hear. <laughs> Unless you go to church tonight. I mean, there's definitely a big conference happening in our city right now that you might be at church tonight. That's great. Um, but good morning. Uh, as Graydon said, I am the youth pastor here at Antioch, Fort Worth, and uh, they let the youth pastor take the last sermon of 2023. Wild, wild, y'all, wild. Uh, that's like letting a kid drive a car. <laughs> so, <laughs> Leah, you know something about that. Uh, that that's kind of wild, though. And uh, I'm really excited, though, to be bringing the word to you guys to close out the year, uh, because I think that the way we close one chapter and go into the next chapter is so important. Uh, so this, this word is going to be very much about the new year and about how we are going into the new year. Uh, I was, when I was praying about this word and I was thinking about what to say to the people today was a lot of times we go, we try to rush into the new year without letting the Lord like work on our hearts a little bit before we go into the new year. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about... Uh, the letter to the church in Philippi uh, this morning. And I am just super excited about the new year because typically, whenever I was growing up, the new year was a big, big deal. Uh, I, I grew up in youth ministry in the late 2000s. Uh, and so uh, all-nighters and youth New Year's Eve parties were all the jam. Like, if you've never been to an all-nighter, I kind of feel bad for you, but also you're so happy, like you're, you're so, your life is so much better uh, because there's a point at like 2 a.m. where you're just like, you don't know what reality is anymore. Uh, and so, and then when, you know, when now that I'm a youth pastor and kids try to sleep at 2 a.m., I'm like, no, 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 you gotta wake up, you gotta wake up. Um, and I always just thought that it was just so much fun uh, doing that than instead of watching the ball drop on TV. And something about the excitement of looking towards the future when you were young was just super, super special. Then you get older, <laughs> got some kids. Speaking of kids, I actually have a picture of my family right here. Uh, that is <laughs> so cute. I have Eliana and Theo. It's my beautiful wife, Lauren. Uh, she's over there. Theo has this amazing cap on right now. Um, and <laughs> in that photo, uh, Eliana only has one shoe on, but they graciously cropped it out. But I really wish they would have kept it in because that's just my normal life is my toddler has just, just taken, out, taken off clothes. Um, but that's Theo. He just turned five months and my beautiful wife, Lauren. Uh, just so happy to have my family. Uh, and New Year's Eve, when you get older, you have kids, it just becomes like another day. Uh, maybe there's some people that can re- relate to me that New Year's Eve sometimes is a bit underwhelming, not necessarily the most overwhelming day of the year. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you're like super excited about the new year. 
Not necessarily because you're just happy to ring it in, but you're, you're about ready for 2023 to be over. Uh, you're ready to leave this year behind you. Uh, in 2023, it's been kind of a hard year. I mean, if we could be a little honest. Wars across the whole world. Job stress is an issue across the whole nation. They, they say that it's a connection with the pandemic, that this year is like the first year since the pandemic that we've had like a whole year. And young people who didn't really have an actual high school or college graduation, they're just trying to figure out life. And it's just leading to a whole bunch of stress. If you're a teacher in the room, you've probably felt this stress in the classroom. There's job stress uh, everywhere. We're officially in a post-pandemic world, which has introduced many new realities for people. The age of information that we are in has taken an, uh, somewhat of an ugly turn, and we have so much information, and information moves so fast that it's hard to even know where to turn. Then in a few hours, we'll be in 2024, which, if you haven't necessarily been paying attention to uh, the TV lately, it's shaping out to be another political year that has the potential to be the most exhausting year in our country. And that's just in our society. I haven't even mentioned the stuff that we deal with personally every single day. Family members are sick. The cost of groceries are eating up somebody's budget. Somebody give me a witness right there. Relationships that didn't work out. So what's a preacher on New Year's Eve gonna say? Well, church, I've been seeking the Lord on what he has for us. And like I said, I'm, I'm brought to the letter and to the church in Philippi. Now, this letter to the church uh, was written by the Apostle Paul in one of his prison uh, sentences. Now, if you don't know, Paul was put in jail for the sake of the gospel. He didn't go around just, you know, seeking to be put in jail. Uh, but it did happen a few times. And in those times, he would write letters to the churches that he would help start. And this church was a super special community to Paul. I don't think Paul would have picked favorites of churches, but if he did, the church in Philippi would be his favorite church. He loved this community, and he wanted what was best for him. Like, the purpose of his writing was not to rebuke or reform, but to encourage. Scholars have called the letter to the Philippians the most positive letter that Paul ever wrote. Think, think about what he wrote to the, to the Galatians. You foolish Galatians. He says in the opening paragraph, I am so surprised that you've left the faith that I graciously gave to you. That is a nice way of saying, bro, you done messed up. <laughs> but he doesn't say any of those things to the church in Philippi. Their issue, they had an issue though, and their issue wasn't a stepson sleeping with a stepmom which is in the Bible. Their issue wasn't classism and prejudice in the church. Their issue was fear. They couldn't see a way forward. The church in Philippi lost its church planner in Paul and then almost lost its pastor in Epaphroditus and the church needed comfort. Paul's letter was a message to encourage the people in Philippi to do one thing which is what I'm going to preach on. It's called continue. Everybody say continue. 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 My main thing is this. Paul's encouragement to the church in Philippi to remember, release, and redeem is a message that can guide us to continue through life's transitions. And before I jump into the, the, the sermon today, uh, I would love 
all of my friends that are sixth grade and younger to stand up. Sixth grade and younger. And if you're holding one that is younger, you can also stand up. I just, I just want everybody to look around the room. And this is a family worship Sunday. And sometimes we just don't take the opportunity to do this. Look around the room. This is the next generation standing in front of you. Now, I'm going to pronounce a blessing that we all know, and we're going to actually sing this song later in the service. It's number 6, 24 through 26, over you guys. And I, uh, if you're a parent of these precious kids, I want you all to stand up as well and lay your hands on your kids. I'll start in 22 of number six. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses. Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. You should say to them, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. In this way, they will pronounce my name over the Israelites and I will bless them. So Lord, I wanna agree with that blessing and I wanna pray, Lord, that each and every one of these kids, that they know that they are blessed, that they know that they are protected, that they know that the Lord has made their face shine upon them. And Lord, I pray that they know that you are a gracious God and a culture of ungrace I pray that they see that you are grace. Lord, I pray that you look with favor on them and that you give them your peace, Lord. And in a year that could be with a bunch of turmoil, I pray that you give them peace. I pray that each one of these kids are given the mantle of peace in their home. And in this way, Lord, I pray that they know you through this blessing every day of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. All right. Tell your neighbor we need to continue. Now tell your other neighbor we need to continue. All right. Uh, we're going to dive into Paul's three encouragements. The first one is the encouragement to remember. Micah keeps telling me to break it. The last time I brought it, the whole mic went off, so I don't know. Uh, can we stand for the first reading uh, from Philippians? <laughs> if you guys don't remember that, that was an amazing part of this year. Um, okay, I'm going to read Philippians 1, 3 through 5, and then Philippians 4, 8. So it says this, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Let's flip to Philippians 4.8. It says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. This is the word of God, and we say... All right, 
You can be seated. All right, let's talk about this word, remember. Remembering is an ability that we don't always think about as an advantage. Paul knew the power of remembering and what it could do for someone who needed to be encouraged to continue. If we do a word study on remember in the scriptures, we see remember as a verb and a noun. Remember as a verb is what Paul is referring to in Philippians 4. He knew that remembering was not just something that would happen by accidents or happenstance, but it would happen as an intentional action and event that the people in Philippi needed to establish as a pattern in their lives to keep moving forward. Remember means to recall to mind or to keep in mind. And what Paul is encouraging here for the church in Philippi is to make remembering a normal and reoccurring practice. He is calling us to use the imagination that God has given us to remember the goodness of God. I know this might seem like super basic, but there's so much power in the simple things that God has given us. And it's not just this idealistic, just look for the silver lining in life. No, what Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi to do is remember the true, honorable, just, pure, commendable, praiseworthy, and excellent things that have happened within the community and through that community. And you know what that took? That took somebody taking the time to write down those true, honorable, just, pure, commendable, praiseworthy, and excellent things that happened in the church. Paul knew that when we are in a challenging situation, we tend to focus on the negative, but I think Paul is contending for us to focus on, that focusing on the negative will not help the church in Philippi move forward, but focusing on those positive things. Now, what about remembering as a noun? And I, and I love this, it's very beautiful to me. Uh, Paul uses the word as a noun in chapter one, and remembering as a noun is not necessarily used all the time uh, in scripture, but the, the thrust of that word is, is making an event out of your remembering. There's not many examples of this in scripture, but the clearest example is communion, is taking communion at the Lord's That's right. table. That's right. When he says, uh, do this in remembrance of me, it's not just talking about eating and drinking necessarily. Communion wasn't just a worshipful act, uh, and we have to put ourselves in a different context to understand this fully, that when the Passover meal was eaten, it wasn't just about celebrating what has happened, but it was about remembering events and remembering people. That's why when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, it wasn't just in a vacuum. He was connecting his life, death, resurrection, and ascension to this meal, That's right. which literally makes communion, communion. Right. Without remembering Jesus, it's just a piece of bread and juice. So what does that have to do with the church in Philippi? Well, Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi in the midst of anxiety and tension to continue to eat together. Because I think Paul knows that it is human nature that when we go through anxiety and tension to isolate, to not eat together, to not celebrate. I think, I think sometimes, especially when we come to an end of a year, 
we always think, what do we have to celebrate? Well, if you're in the kingdom of God, you have a lot of things to celebrate. And even if it didn't look the best for you in this year, you're a brother or sister in the whole kingdom. And you can celebrate other things that happened this year that didn't necessarily happen to you. And during those meals, we have an opportunity to remember. So Paul's encouragement about remembering kind of flows into the next thing about releasing. So let's read Philippians 3, 13 through 15. That's my next little bit. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. So Paul's second encouragement to the church is on how to continue is to learn this art of releasing. Everybody say releasing. Paul knew that the church in Philippi needed to let go of certain things in the past in order to move forward. And Paul is so vulnerable in this, in this chapter, and, and in me talking about this, I didn't, I, haven't, I didn't even really think that I was going to get to this point in the study, but earlier in the chapter, he talks about all the accolades and the achievements that he has had before he was a Christian, and in encountering Christ, it caused him to have regret. I don't know why, but I had never read all of those uh, descriptors at the beginning. If you look at chapter four, or verse four in chapter three, although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss. That is some deep regret. What if everything that was a gain to you, you then woke up and it was a loss? That's deep, Paul. That's real deep. I ain't never woke up one day and was like, everything I have gained is now a loss. But maybe... I'm not going to get into all the encouragement. I'm going to encourage you on in a second. But um, <laughs> let, me, uh, let me get back here. Um, but what does Paul model? He models that he releases himself for that regret so that he can reach forward to what is ahead. Paul knew that he couldn't live in the regret of his old life. He had to move forward. Now, his past didn't get wiped from his memory, obviously. He just listed his past. But his past no longer has the power over him to move forward. He had to learn the discipline of releasing, and he encourages the church in Philippi to do the same thing. And I love the, the word that Paul uses here when he talks about those of us who are mature. Because what it does is that it gives us permission to walk through this slowly. Because maturing takes a long time. Sometimes I wish my five-month-old knew how to sleep through the middle of the night. 
I love how I said sometimes. I, I wish that all the time. <laughs> and if you think I wish that, imagine what my wife thinks. <laughs> but maturing takes a long time. And you know what? It's good that maturing takes a long time. So in this art of releasing, it's okay if it takes a little bit. It's okay if it takes a process. I am not standing up here idealistically telling you forgive and forget. You do need to forgive. You will might have to forget. But it's not going to just take a little bit of time. It's going to take a process. And I think Paul understands that. Okay, so let's talk about the third encouragement and then after that we'll do some takeaways for the end of the year. The third encouragement on how to continue is to let the Lord redeem. So we're going to read Philippians 1, 12 through 20. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. But also to be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Because I know that this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope was that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And Paul's eternal, Paul's eternal perspective to me is so baffling. Like, Paul, are you serious right now? You're in prison. You're separated from the church that you planted. People are somehow, which I don't, I, I don't necessarily understand all the context of this, but people are somehow preaching the gospel in some kind of way that is causing Paul trouble while in prison. And yet, you're able to continue. I believe that Paul doesn't have this perspective just naturally. Paul had to invite the Spirit of God into this situation in order for it to be redeemed. And we know from the rest of the chapter that Paul was torn between choosing life or death. Prison and persecution has taken a toll on his physical and mental health. I think sometimes we like to color that like passage that he's talking about as like to live is Christ, to die is gain, and we try to color it up. But really, Paul is sitting in prison, deciding about life and death. And he says, what does it matter? But that Christ is, Christ is glorified. That is some eternal perspective. And, and I believe that Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi to do the same thing. He's modeling these things. But 
Paul didn't invent this. Jesus did this first. It was Jesus that was in the wilderness being tempted by the enemy, and Jesus silenced the enemy's temptations by remembering and quoting the promises of God. It was Jesus that did it first. It was Jesus who said, while he was perishing on the cross, forgive them, Father, release them, Father, for they do not know what they do. It was Jesus. It was Jesus who was the ultimate champion of redemption. That is Jesus's MO, is redeeming people. That's all he wants to do, is redeem people. That's all Jesus wants to do. Y'all hear me, church? That's all he wants to do is redeem people. If you, if you need a redemption, Jesus is here. If you don't, if you're, if, now y'all about to get me off the notes. If, you, if you're sitting in here and you're like, I don't know what I, I don't know what I can do to be redeemed. I think there's somebody who thinks differently than you. And his name is Jesus. He has purchased redemption for all of us. The whole world. Thank you, Jesus. So to kind of close up our time, I wanted to leave us with a few takeaways from Paul's encouragements that we could put into practice today. First thing is this, is that remember, or before we make a New Year's resolution, I want us to do these things. First thing is remember the life that God has given you this year. I want to highlight again, there is so much power in remembering. I believe that these scriptures are challenging us to re-up on remembering. And remembering the good things. Before we enter into the new year, let's take time to write down that whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy that God gave us this year. And let me tell you, this is gonna take some work because it's so much easier to remember whatever is false, whatever is dishonorable, whatever is corrupt, whatever is disgusting, whatever is ugly, whatever there was a failure. It's just human nature to remember those things. So it's going to take some work to remember the good things that God has done over the year. Some hard work. Are y'all ready for some hard work? Y'all got a few more hours in the year. Y'all can do this. Also, side note, um, the... In the Christian tradition, um, I'm about to get real nerdy with y'all. Um, Advent season doesn't actually end to like January 6th, I believe. Uh, so you got like, you know, six more days to do this. <laughs> y'all, got, y'all got some time to do this homework. The assignment's not due at midnight. It's due on January 6th, okay? All right, all right. Good. Uh, second thing is discern with the Lord what needs to be released from this year. This is a practice that we desperately need to do in order to move forward. In the same way that Paul needed to release the regret from his past, we need to do the same to move forward. Think about it this way. When we're on this journey that we call life, God is calling us to go up through some mountains and some valleys. Now, regret are big rocks in that backpack. Now, there's other things you got to carry in that backpack what God's called you to do, the gifts he's given you, your family, 
your job, the community. But don't carry no rocks in there that are regret. If he's given us a way to alleviate those. Amen? And I want to say something about this point, that walking through this process of release, there's a potential of a lot of pain. Because we're not always releasing events, but sometimes we're releasing what people did to us. And that pain is associated to a person. And again, I don't want to stand up here and ever tell you to just forgive and forget and just kind of get over it. I, I know some people that might tell you that. But the first thing of releasing this is you got to acknowledge that the pain actually happened. Paul knew what happened to him. He, for some reason, he knew what was going, I, I, I bet the church was writing him letters. Paul, bro, they put your name through the mud, dude. Like, Paul, you better, you better hurry up and get out of that jail, dude, because uh, you got to get on Facebook and defend yourself. Like, he knew what was going on, but he acknowledged that pain, and then he asked the Lord to heal him. And Paul does realize that actions do have consequences. I don't want you to hear this word about release and think that no one's walking in reality. Hey, things have consequences. Things that people do to us have consequences. Things we do to other people have consequences. But in the act of releasing, we need to accept God's provision. We need to be able to release something, but then invite the new thing that God has for us in our lives. Third thing was, third thing is, is ask the Lord to redeem the disappointments from the year. Going into 2024, we don't need to just remember and release. We really do need to need the Lord to redeem some things from this year. A few years ago, I had to uh, deal with a, a pretty interesting uh, disappointment in my life that affected me and my family. Uh, shout out to my family who's all in the front row. Most of my family's over there. Um, yeah, all those people were not just my friends. Um, but they were my friends over here too. So. Um, but it was a disappointment that affected my family, and um, I, I, in, in the midst of that disappointment, I had lost a mentorship relationship. And it was super disappointing. I, every time I thought about it, I got really disappointed. Every time I thought about this person, I got super disappointed. Um, and fast forward to 2019, I remember when I finished my degree at Southwestern Seminary, I was thinking about what to do in the future, and I started to feel disappointed that I didn't have that mentor's voice in my life anymore. But I remember the Lord asked me a very clear question, and he said, what did you want out of that relationship? And I told him, wisdom from an elder, someone who's walked in ministry for a long time, someone who would hear my ideas about future ministry. And I remember the Lord so, so clearly said, don't you have that? Like, don't you have that in the brothers and sisters that are around you now? And I had to have my whole perspective shift to not seeing that relationship as a loss, but to see where God was putting a gain. He needed to redeem that relationship. In the same way that those imperial guards 
that probably would have never been reached. I mean, maybe they would have been reached for the gospel, but Paul was there. Imagine hearing the gospel from like Paul. That's wild. I can imagine that gospel presentation starts off with, I was on the road to Damascus and then I was blinded for three days. Then I didn't eat and then it was like, you know, I'm just saying, I, I don't know, my brain thinks in very funny ways. Um, but those imperial guards got to hear the message of the kingdom from Paul himself. He didn't look at his loss as just a loss but a gain. And so I want to encourage each and every one of y'all, I'm not going to stand y'all up and say an encouragement for y'all. That will take till midnight. But um, I do want to encourage you guys that God has something for you to remember this year. And write it down. Remember it. Take a picture of it. Put it somewhere in your room. I'm not necessarily advocating for this, but tattoo it on your body if you need to. Like, like. <laughs> Remember what God has done because it's so important. It's so important. Then, hey, we got to release some things. We got to release some people. We got to release these events because there is, there is so much more that God wants to do with us. And God's going to keep calling you to do stuff. He's going to keep your life moving forward. The choice we have is, are we going to keep those rocks in that backpack? The path is going to be open for you. You get what I mean? I'm not saying that God's just going to just stop your life until you deal with your, uh, release your regrets. I'm saying he's going to ask you to keep going. You have a determined on how heavy that backpack is, though. That's what we have. That is what we have uh, power over, is determine how heavy that backpack is when we're walking. And then we need to ask the Lord to redeem. There's some things, there's some things that have marked us in like heavy, heavy, heavy ways. But we have to be able to see the Lord where he was working in those moments. Because maybe your call isn't to release. Maybe you got to hold on to it, but you got to hold on to it in the right way. Amen? Paul knew his background. He knew his history. And he used it to greater advance the gospel. But he didn't let, him, let it stop him from having a relationship with the Lord and then move forward. All right, I'm gonna have y'all stand up. Mr. Trine, come on up. I wanna give everyone an opportunity to respond to his spirit this morning. No matter where you find yourself, God has something for you. Whether you need to practice those things that I talked about, whether you need to come here about this man named Jesus I'm talking about, maybe you just need to like cry. Maybe you haven't cried all year. <laughs> this is the perfect place to just do it. Ain't nobody gonna judge you if you cry here. But I really want this moment for these next few minutes to be a marker in our lives where we can be the church 
in Philippi, we can act as the church in Philippi right now. We can be encouraged by what Paul said. We can be encouraged. And that's my, that's my deepest desire for y'all this morning. I didn't want to blow your minds with super deep theology. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to continue. I want you to hear the Lord saying, keep going. Keep going. Just keep going. Continue. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll release the ministry time. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, God, that that you've shown us through your word, through your messenger, Paul, through this vessel here this morning, Lord, about your goodness, about your grace, about your power, Lord. And God, I just pray for my, my brothers and sisters that are here this morning, Lord, that really do need your help to continue, Lord. I pray that they come and they get prayer. And even if they don't come to the front, they ask people around them to pray with them. So Lord, I just pray that this altar, that we make this place an altar where you're welcomed here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.